All right, if I can have everybody's attention at the front of the room. We finished up a series last week. <clears throat> Tonight what I want to do... Tonight what, I want, <laughs> tonight what I want to do is I want to move into a single message. I'm going to do one this week, one next week, and then we got the 21st of October off that Wednesday night because of parent-teacher conference. But here's what I want to do tonight. I got a question for to ask you at your small group table first, and then we'll get into the message. So the question at your small group table is, let me make sure I read it right. It is, how do you feel about a trip to the doctor's office? Would you rather suffer in pain or go see the doctor? You guys talk about that at your group. Would you rather suffer in pain or would you rather go see the doctor? Talk about that and we'll get started in a minute. Okay, if I can have everybody's attention back to the front of the room, please, because we don't have much time. We've got a little late start tonight. All right, shh. I don't think, I don't think you guys sometime understand what a privilege it is to get to do what I do in life. But I got a favor to ask of you guys tonight because I absolutely... Um, love high school students, because I believe high school students are amazing. I don't believe what the news tells me about all the young people, all the punks that are running around destroying things. I think high school students, you guys in this room especially, I love you guys dearly. And more than loving you, I trust you a lot. And I know you're young and you're trying to figure this life out, but this is kind of a personal request on my behalf, okay? Um, then I'll get into the message here in a second. I got some stuff going on in my family that I need you guys to pray about if you would, please. Can't really get into any details tonight. God knows what's going on, but I trust you guys enough that when I come to mind, would you please pray for me and my family and just lift us up in prayer? I would appreciate that a bunch, okay? Um, everything will be okay because I know God will take care of us, but it's um, heavy on my heart tonight. So if you guys would do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it, okay? But the one thing I want you guys to know about me is I do trust God with all my heart, because I lived 38 years without him, so I know what it's like to walk around this, the face of this earth like a lot of you people do, um, knowing, not knowing the Lord, not having a relationship with him, and not knowing his grace and his mercy and his love and his tenderness and the things that he provides us. So tonight, what I want to ask you guys a question before I get into this, because I want to talk about a lady tonight. We don't often go through women in the Bible a lot of times, because there's just not as many stories as there are guys, but tonight I want to talk about a woman in the Bible. But this woman that I want to talk about tonight is I want to ask you guys a question beforehand. Think about when you come to youth group tonight. Think about when you got in the car or rode here with your mom and dad or however you got here. When you walk through those doors every week, is it, is it just a routine to come to youth group? Nothing wrong with that, so hear me right. But is it just a routine? Do you just do this because I like someone else in the room or my friends come here? I know how students are, and sometimes you're here just because somebody else is here. But here's what I know in the midst of that. God's word never returns void. So as you hear God's word preached in this room and shared at your table during small group, God's word never returns void and it always comes back and, 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 and it produces fruit when God's ready for it too. But when you show up at youth group or you show up at church on a Sunday morning, I want you guys to think about this. Are you desperate to meet Jesus in this room on a Wednesday night? Or do you just come in here because it's something that you do every Wednesday? I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. Don't get me wrong. And if that's why you're here, keep coming because it's a good thing. But are you desperate to meet with the Lord when you come in here on a Wednesday night? Because see, here's what I do believe. I do believe if we're chasing after God out there, we need him in here. Because when we leave here, we go back out there into the battle. But what I want to talk about tonight, there's two people within this story in Mark chapter 5. That I want to, I'm not going to look at both of them. I'm going to look at the lady in this story. But both these people 
are desperate to meet the Lord. The context and what's going on in Scripture here tonight, and I'm going to blitz through this pretty quick, but the context is this. Jesus is on one side of the Sea of Galilee. He goes over there with his disciples. On the way across the Sea of Galilee is when the storm hits and the disciples are being swamped and they're bailing water out of the boat and they go downstairs and they're like, Lord, don't you care that we're going to drown? And Jesus gets up and with a word, watch this, with a word, he calms the storm. The wind and the waves calm with a word. That's not even what I'm going to talk about tonight, but this is what's going on within the context of this story. He gets to the other side, he gets out, and the person that meets him, Luke says there's two, Matthew says there's one, it depends on where, Mark says there's one, it depends on what story you listen to. It's like watching an accident. If we all went out here on the road and we saw an accident, each one of us are going to pick up different things. Mark talks about there being a demon-possessed man. Jesus and his disciples get out of the boat, and a demon-possessed man meets Jesus on the shore. And his name is Legion. So he meets a demon-possessed man on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He deals with that, which we'll talk about, probably do that message later in the year. It's a beautiful story. But this guy, and then he get back in the boat, and then they head back to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and he gets out of the boat, and he meets two desperate people right there on the shore. One of them is Jairus, who's a very wealthy man. He's a, he's a chief in, synagogue, in the synagogue. So this guy's got a lot of money. He's very famous, very popular in the, in the culture at that time. He'd be like Dwayne Johnson. How's that? The Rock. That's the status this guy would have had in the community. So he's somebody. But another person that meets Jesus in this spot is a very desperate woman who has the issue of blood, an issue of bleeding is what this is. But I want to do this tonight. Before I read the scripture, I want to give an opportunity for her through a video, if you will, to introduce herself. So Corey, if you'd play the video and then I'll come back up in a minute. This story of the woman with the issue of blood is found in Matthew and in Mark and in the book of Luke. So tonight what I want to do is I want to read this um, scripture to you guys out of Mark chapter 5, verses 24 through 34. And this, tells this, this is a scripture in regards to the video you just watched. Jesus heals a sick woman. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. He had just gotten back. And what had happened, so you know when he pressed around him in verse 21, it talks about how Jairus, the rich man, had come to Jesus because his little girl, 12-year-old little girl, was dying. So Jairus, the rich man, see, money can't buy this. The rich man went to Jesus and he said, I need you to come and heal my little girl. She's dying. And so Jesus is along the way. A large crowd followed him and pressed around him. So they're on the way to heal this little girl. And this lady shows up out of the, out of the crowd. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she, fell, she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Twelve years, you guys, she'd been going through this. Twelve years, hang on to that. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she'd been freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized the power that had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples said, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has, made, or your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. For just a minute tonight, what I want to do is I want to look at three things that we get out of this story, okay? The first thing is, is her shame. 
The shame that this woman had to be dealing with in this culture had to be horribly bad. Her issue was of bleeding, which literally meant and it was, she was hemorrhaging. And if you look up the definition of this, the word hemorrhaging, it was profuse, damaging loss, and uncontrollable. This woman's disease had caused her a great deal of suffering and shame. Because when you look at I want to read you guys something out of Scripture tonight, because Scripture sometimes is very descriptive. In Leviticus chapter 15, verses 25 through 27, it says this about a woman. This is where the suffering and the shame came from. I want to get this across so you guys hang on to this as I build this message. When a woman, it says in, in Leviticus, when a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time, other than her monthly period, or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as the discharge, as long as she has discharge, just as the days of her period. Any bed she lies on while under this discharge continues to be unclean as a bed she is, as, a, as she is, it is when she has her monthly period. And anything she sits on will be unclean during her period. Anyone who touches, now listen, hang on to this. Anyone who touches them will be unclean. And unclean in that, in that culture, you guys, literally meant you had to stay outside the village. You had to stay outside the community. You could not come in the community when you were unclean. This is almost to the point of a leper, where a leper, when they were unclean in this community, in this culture, they had to ring a bell and yell, unclean, unclean, or they would get stoned and people would throw rocks at them because they were keeping the camp clean. So that's what God is doing here. But anyway, anyone who touches this woman will be, will be unclean, and they must wash their clothes and bathe with water, and they will be unclean until evening. So what this woman is going through, you guys, I want you to really see if you can get your arms around this tonight. Ladies, you'll appreciate this a lot more than us fellas do, I'm sure, tonight. But this woman had shame beyond all measures what she's got going on in this culture. She would have been considered unclean. If she would have been a married woman at this time, she would no longer be married because her husband would have divorced her because he couldn't be around her. Because, see, here's the deal. Not only did it affect her lifestyle, um, culturally, but it affected her physically, mentally, and spiritually because she couldn't go to church. So if her husband would have been with her, he would not have been allowed in the synagogue. So she would have probably been on her own and spent everything that she had. It was a chronic illness that was affecting this woman emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And then we talked about that where she couldn't go to church. But I want you guys to catch this because this really strikes me. I have a chronic disease. I love Jesus. That's my chronic disease, one of them. I got another one though. My other chronic disease is I have rheumatoid arthritis. So I take medicine every Wednesday night, Thursday, every day, every Thursday, every week. I tell my wife, I get up and she's like, how are you doing? I'm fine, but it's Thursday because I feel like crud on Thursdays all day to beat back what I have in the RA. So I understand this idea of being in, of having a chronic disease. And there's a lot of people that have them of all different ages. But here's what I want you guys to get. A lifestyle of chronic sin affects a person the same way. You get that? So if you're in this room tonight or you're listening to this on a podcast somewhere and you give this to one of your friends, if you're in a chronic situation of sin, you're no different than this lady is really because see, sin always equals shame. You know how we know that? You go back to the Garden of Eden and it will lead you, sin leads to shame and it will lead you to spiritual solitude. You will isolate yourself because you won't want to be around the things of God when you get involved in something like that if you're living in chronic sin. Because you look at Adam and Eve in the garden, remember? They were running around with no clothes on, running around naked, the Bible says. And they had no shame until they ate the fruit. They were disobedient to God. 
Eve ate the fruit, gave it to Adam. Adam ate the fruit, sin entered the world, and then there was shame. And what did they do when they had shame? Do you remember? They covered themselves with fig leaves, and they hid in the bushes. They were hiding from each other, and they were hiding from God. If you have a chronic lifestyle in this room, it's the same that this lady is going to go into. It will create shame for you, and it will create spiritual solitude for you, because I will guarantee you, I know this for a fact, there are kids in this, that are not in this room tonight because they've fallen into a sinful pattern in their life. And they are outside this room because they don't want to have anything to do with God, with God. And we'll touch on that a little bit later on, okay? So you look at this. Her suffering and the shame from her disease drove her to a life of solitude. So I really want you guys to see if you can capture this tonight. I almost had everybody in the room separate from one another. We're talking about social distancing nowadays, right? Which I'll stay off that topic tonight because it's a tender topic for me. But you talk about social distancing, you talk about isolating, you talk about shelter in place. We get a small sense of that, don't we? Of what it's like to not be around your friends, don't we? You guys realize it was six months before we met for youth group again after all this went on? Six months we were not allowed to come in this room. So you can get an idea of what this woman was going through by being isolated like she was. The second thing is this, this created her solitude. Due to the law, like we talked about in Leviticus, she, could, she was truly an outcast. Have you ever wanted to hide from the world and just not be around anybody and just go away and just disappear? Because that's what this woman was forced to do. She had been totally excluded from everyone outside her community. I've got a question for you guys. Have you ever wanted to hide from God? Have you ever been in sin and wanted to hide from God? I got a better one for you. Have you ever been disobedient to something he does or doesn't want you to do? And it causes you not to want to look at him, not to want to be around him. Because that's what this woman had, this is what happened to this woman. She had to be outside of everything. And when you take the time to consider what she had to go through, the disappointments, the heartaches, the doctor visits over and over and over, and she just kept getting worse. And nothing she was doing was working. But you see a change in her story along the way. She'd been to doctors, spent all of her money, was isolated, more than likely on her own, by herself. And in that culture, when a lady was on her own, that was a bad deal. That's why the Bible says we're supposed to take care of widows and orphans as Christians, because we're supposed to watch out for those that were on their own. But the story changed in verse 26, I think it is in 27. It says she grew worse, and then when verse 27, but she heard about Jesus, and she came up behind the crowd, and she touched his cloak. See, tonight, you have no excuse because you heard about Jesus tonight. You have a choice to make. Are you going to be like this woman with what you're suffering with or a sin that you're dealing with or disobedience that you're dealing with? Are you going to be like this woman because she heard about Jesus, she came to him and wanted to touch his cloak? But here's the deal. This idea of touching, see, she heard, and I think it's in Mark Chapter 6, like verse 56, I think is where it's at. It talks about how this was going around the culture where people would just come up. And let, imagine I walk up to Chris here and I just touch his clothes. And whatever is wrong with me, I am healed. See, these aren't fables, you guys. These are real stories. And we serve the same God today as they did back then. And Jesus is still into healing with a touch. But this idea of touch is not just like I did with Chris, just walk up and go, I fall backwards and I'm all, no. This idea of touchiness is she clung to Christ. 
She didn't just walk up and touch the garment like you think we did, like she did. She goes up and she literally clings to the Lord until she gets what she needed. Because it says she felt in her body she was healed. And after she felt in her body she was healed, then she drifts away into the crowd. So tonight, you guys, you've got to realize, if I could, if I could describe my life with Christ, here's what I would say. I am always clinging to the Lord. There's not a moment in my day that I shake him loose. Think about that for a second, you guys. How are you living your life? When you see kids that come to youth group, whether it's here or other youth groups in town, there's a lot of good youth groups in this community. Do you go back to school and are you using language that honors God or dishonors God? See, I don't know what's going on, but I know this. Listen, Scripture tells me this. God says, do not be dismayed. Do not fear. I am your God. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Okay? Watch this. Who do I want in the room tonight? River, come here real quick. You're a big guy. Come here. I want you guys to get this picture because I want you guys to really grab a hold of what it looks like to cling to Christ. Hold my hand. Here, you hold me with that hand. He says, he'll hold me with his mighty righteous right hand. Now watch. If I'm in youth group on Wednesday night and I've got this going on and I'm clinging to Christ in my life like this, but I go to school the next day or I leave here tonight and I go into pornography or I go into gossip or I go into social media junk or whatever I'm doing as a Christian, as a believer in Christ, I want you to get this because if he's holding me with his mighty righteous right hand, guess what I got to do to do those other things? I've got to be like this. I got to be, let me go. I don't want to hold on to you right now. I'd rather do this. Oh, but after I'm done doing this, then what do I do? I come right back over here, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm back. I don't live my life like that, do you? Because if you do, there's danger between me shaking my hand loose. Thanks, River. Go have a seat. There's danger between me shaking my hand loose from Christ and coming over here and doing what I want to do and dishonor him with whatever that behavior is, and then I come back over here because of the grace of God, and I hold on to his hand again. Are you living your life like that? Because if I could give a description for every leader in this room, including myself, we're not. We are desperate. We are like this woman. We are desperately clinging to Christ every minute of our day. Amen, leaders? That's how we live our lives. Because we, we know what we're like without him. We've lived a life of disobedience. We know what it looks like to go use foul language and drink like a fish and do all these other, get into pornography or whatever it is that you're doing. Stop it. But I want you to realize when you do that, you have to shake your hand free from him and go another direction. That doesn't mean that you're not saved anymore. So hear me right. But I don't want to live a life to where I look at what he's done for me. I look what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. And I'm going to shake free from that and go do what I want to do. Are you kidding me? It's a bad way to live your life. Does that make sense to you guys? But I want you to get that picture. If you're doing that, that's why that's happening. Shame and solitude drove this woman to Jesus. And that led to her salvation. And I really believe that every one of us in the room, have, every, every person in this room, including me, has done this. We will try everything we can think of to fix a problem or get through what we're going through. And the very last thing we do when we have nothing else to do, what do we do then? Then we pray. Then we go to the Lord. Lord, help me. And I, there's not a person in this room that hasn't done that. And you're looking at one who does it, not regularly, but way too often. Makes sense? The first thing we should do is go to Christ. And then from there, we get wisdom and direction from there. But here's what I know. After 12 years 
of suffering, shame, sin, and a solitude life, she was, the scripture says, when she touched his cloak, she was immediately healed. That is such a beautiful picture if you can get that. Because see, when we call out to the Lord, we are immediately saved. We are immediately forgiven. We are immediately justified by Christ. Why in the world would we go a different direction? She was immediately healed. Now, you guys have heard me teach this a thousand times. I'm going to keep teaching it. Are you immediately obedient to God when he touches you and wants you to do something or not do something? Are you immediately, are you as immediate as he is in his salvation for us? Are you immediately obedient to him the same way? It's crazy to me. My wife and I were talking about this this morning. We will trust Christ with our eternity, yes? But will we trust him with right now? And if we're going to trust him with right now, we are going to be, live a lifestyle of being immediately obedient to him. And I got to finish up here because I'm running out of time. But Jesus, you notice that Jesus never rebukes this lady, but he turned around and he, he knew who touched her or who touched him, but he turned around and he goes, I want to know who touched me. And then it says in scripture that this woman tried to hide, see, because she was unclean. Remember what Leviticus said? She couldn't be in this crowd, you guys. She was not allowed in the crowd because it says the crowd was pressing around Christ. So to press around Christ, I had to push my way through to get to Jesus. Are you pushing your way through the crowd at the school to get to Christ the way you live your life? Or are you just kind of like everybody else? See, because here's what I know. A youth group is a crowd, yes? But not everybody in here on a Wednesday night is going to experience Jesus like this lady did. Because she pressed through. She pushed through the crowd. Unclean. They would have killed her if they had caught her. They'd have taken her life because everybody she touched would have had to been isolated, shelter in place, because she was unclean. But here's what Jesus did when he says, who touched me? The woman did her best to skinny out of the place and not pay any attention because she was not trying to draw any attention to herself. But then it says, she turned back and she looked at him and fell to her feet and told him the whole truth. To me, that is the example of confession. Because when we confess to Christ, we kneel down, we are looking at the Lord, and when we look at him, picture looking at Jesus eye to eye. What would that look like for you? If you could literally look at Jesus in the eyes, would you have the, the nerve to be disobedient and fall back into sin? No, because that light, the light of Christ is going to reveal your deeds and you're going to confess to the Lord what you have done. And she told Jesus the whole truth. And he says this, daughter, I think this, is, it's, this shows the tenderness of our Lord. But Jesus kept looking around to see what she had done. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came to him and fell at her feet, and fell at his feet and trembling with fear. Trembling with fear. Because he's God and we're not. She told him the whole truth. And then Jesus says this to her and we'll break up into our small groups. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. If you're a Christian, you are no longer a slave to sin. She was no longer a slave to this issue of blood. She had been set free. If you're in this room tonight and you've given your life to Christ, do you know you're, not, you're no longer a slave to sin? So you don't have to sin. You've been set free. And we still don't know this woman's name, do we? But Jesus referred to her as daughter, which means she's in the family. 
Because this word of healing carries with it the connotation of being saved. So this woman was not only physically, emotionally saved, she was spiritually saved at the same time because she had an encounter with Christ and she told him the whole truth. Tonight when you turn to your small group tables, which I want you to do now, I want you to tell each other the whole truth. I want you to be dead boned up honest with your leaders of where you're at tonight. God already knows, but are you willing to look at him, just to look at him and be completely honest with him where you're at? And we do that as a Christian community because we love each other, trust each other. Turn your small groups. We'll come back up in just a moment or two. Okay, if I can have your attention back to the front of the room real quick. <clears throat> I want to close with a video tonight. And it's a, it's a song. I don't know if you guys even ever, have ever heard this song or not, but it really fits, I think, with what I'm trying to get across and what I think the Scripture's trying to get across to us tonight is it doesn't matter what you're going through. See, this woman with the smallest, timid amount of faith, by faith she touched the Lord and it changed her life forever. It doesn't matter what we do. It matters where we go with what we're going through. So no matter what you're going through in your life right now or no matter what you've been through in your life or what you're going to go through in your life, I want you to know this, where to go. And it's to push through the crowd of life, to push through the junks, the junk at the hallways in your school and your classrooms and in the locker rooms like we talk about. you got to push your way through the crowd to get to him and then look at him. Never be afraid to look at the Lord because he will heal whatever you're going through. He'll help you with whatever you're going through. So the message tonight as we go into this song that we're going to play is this. You don't have to carry your burdens anymore. You're not strong enough to do that. And that's why you fail. Because the burdens of life are tough. We live in a fallen world. So we need to cast all our cares upon him who cares for us. But I got a question for you real quick. What if he hadn't healed her? Is he still good? What if he doesn't fix what you're going through? Is he still good? Or do you just give up and stop going to him because it's not working? He's good no matter what you do. Someday Jesus is going to heal every single one of us because it says in Revelation 21.4, it says this, when we're in heaven, he will wipe away every tear from, your, from their eyes and there will be no more death. Neither shall there be mourning, no crying, no pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Keep going to him because he's strong and he's kind. What I want you guys to do during this song is I want you to do this. We've lost this sense of going to the Lord, I think, in life. While this song's being played and you got something on your heart that you need to lay at the Lord's feet tonight, you need to reach out. And I pray this a lot in the morning. Lord, as I reach out and touch the hem of your garment, I seek the healing that only you can give me spiritually, emotionally, physically, whatever that is. Whatever you got tonight, whatever burden you're carrying, I want you to have the same type of faith that this woman had, a timid faith maybe, but push through the crowd and lay it at the feet of Jesus because he's there to heal you and to help you. Before you guys leave tonight, would you do me a favor? And if you've got something that you laid at the feet of the Lord tonight, if you reached out and touched him with anything tonight, I want you to tell your leader before he leaves before we leave, okay? I want you to trust your leaders to be able to pray for you guys and to be able to lift you up to the Lord and reach out and touch the Lord on your behalf because it's important, you guys, that we don't carry these burdens of life 
all by ourselves. Cast your cares upon me because he cares for you, Peter tells us in Scripture. And if you guys caught that in that song, Jesus will come to us. The Bible promises when we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. And I'm so grateful, Lord, for the stories in your Scripture. But I'm more grateful that your Holy Spirit was here tonight teaching each one of us what we needed to be taught. Give us ears to hear, Lord, what you have to say. But more than that, give us the grace, Lord, to live this life out to your glory. Because you help us. You empower us. You enable us to live out this Christian life. And we literally have to turn you away to go a different direction. Because you're there for us. So I pray tonight makes a difference, Lord. That tomorrow when these students get to school or even tonight when they leave this place, that they remember what they experienced tonight when they pushed through the crowd and they touched you. Because when they draw near to you, you will draw near to them. May this be something that lasts by your grace and by your mercy. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. You are dismissed. If you want to hang around your table and talk for a minute, you're more than welcome to do that. I will see you guys next Wednesday. Have a great night, everyone.